0: Welcome to the Measuring What Matters Podcast. Measuring What Matters is an independent community forum for nurturing dialogue and critical conversations associated with community performance metrics. Join me, Marshall McKellan, as I interview individuals entrenched in change making in Calgary. Our guests are passionate about community prosperity, well-being, and how to measure it. Measuring What Matters is a project of the City X Lab. Hosted and powered by the Institute for Community Prosperity at Mount Royal University. For more information on the project, visit measuringwhatmatters.ca. Today, I have with me Sarah Bateman. Uh, Sarah, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here.
0: Oh, it's, it's my pleasure, really. Um, can you tell me a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. Uh, so this is always an interesting conversation. Um, my background is uh, as a funder. So I've worked in both corporate and public funding. I've worked with a number of community foundations. And so I come to measurement, evaluation, uh, community prosperity, kind of through that lens of what difference is funding making and how do we know? And uh, so yeah, I've been doing funding for, you know, around 15 years, maybe now. Um, I also teach community investment courses at MRU as well in the continuing ed. And then I have a consultancy practice that helps organizations uh, understand how their strategies can be measured, how they can be evaluated to see if their initiatives or projects make a difference because... A lot of people don't know how to do that. So that's kind of a little bit of my background.
0: That um, economic kind of space moving into not-for-profits and impact is always such a, a tricky area. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time, it's a really subjective kind of measure to see like what you've actually uh, made an impact on. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about that? Was there any real challenges or anything that kind of popped up while you were in that space?
1: You know, I think... It's it's part of it. it's really important to have a conversation. So I'll take it from a, a funder's perspective. I think sometimes funders come in to fund to support initiatives that they think will help meet their goals, which is necessary. But they don't always understand what's at uh, what's important for the nonprofit they're funding, or what the system is in which that nonprofit or a number of nonprofits are are operating in. It's really different, you know. And so, really, ideally, you'd want to find out. Find that that space that goes between what the community needs or that organization needs, as well as what a funders trying to uh, support and invest in for change and. I think it's just been in the last few years that those conversations are happening more regularly. There's a a wise person in this uh, social change space named Tim Broadhead that said, you know, there's this little bit of a dance of deception. It's uh, an organization will come to a funder and say, hey, I can sell poverty. I just need twenty five thousand dollars. And the funder goes, okay, yeah, I totally believe you. And then after the project, it's like poverty still exists. So to really understand together, I think what the change is and how, you know, is a really important piece in in making change, whether it's as simple as ensuring somebody has lunch each day or if it is really around those root causes, say, around poverty or well-being or belonging in a community. So.
0: I know that, um, yeah, trying, trying to define that, trying to bring that down is very difficult. Well-being prosperity can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. So, if you have that just kind of open conversation, that's very brief between the the two different representatives. It can be very uh, difficult to try to get a, a meaning or a, like an understanding across. Um, can you tell me a little bit about what your definition of community prosperity and well-being is?
1: Yeah, when I when I think about this, because. I'm just gonna take a step back. These words are used a lot and there's a lot of different definitions. So I'm glad you're asking this. I think for me, when I think about this, it, at the heart of it is, is a community, the well being and quality of life in a community is where everybody, where it works for everybody, where everybody feels a sense of connection and belonging and that they can see a way where they can define their life however they choose to. So they don't feel like there's barriers or uh, they're being excluded because of who they are, how much money they have, who they love, all of that. So I think at the very heart, it is around the community works for everybody. Um, and prosperity is an interesting word in and of itself uh, because it's Traditionally in the economic world, but I think, you know, what does I think people are redefining it, especially after the last year and a half with the pandemic is like, what does success, what is a quality of life? What does prosperity mean to me? And it's not always economic. It is. It's about the the depth of relationships and the depth of belonging.
0: there's been a lot of really interesting things popping up in the pandemic, like with the the isolation, especially that's been going on. um, Like an interesting thing that's not entirely related to this topic, but I guess uh, related in a sense of belongingness um, is that uh, the uh, rate of individuals uh, moving into religious organizations has increased dramatically. Right. So people are looking and not just like specifically organized religion in like the catholic christian you know catholicism kind of sense but uh people moving into different spiritual spaces as well has become um, a, a huge boon
1: yeah well that makes sense because uh um... I think religion creates that sense of community. You see yourself, if you have like understanding of how the world works uh, and have conversations, shared language, uh, feel supported, you're going to have that sense of uh, belonging in it. So that makes sense, whether it's organized or not, but place where you feel seen and, and supported to have the life you want really. Um, and does, you know, I think in this con- conversation, it's also like, does our city, does our country allow us to have that, you know, and how do we know that as well too? So.
0: So moving into uh, what you're, what you're doing now, because I know that you've, you've stepped away from your role um, with Calgary arts development. Mm-hmm. Um, you're kind of working in a role where you're helping clients figure out like key data points, to, to measure if their initiatives are moving forward if they're growing what they should be doing maybe tweaks that they have mm-hmm. um, can you tell me a little bit about like what kind of data points do you see like what what's um, coming up very popular
1: so this is one of the complexities of data evaluation community change systems change is there's not one specific data point that will indicate this is a good thing i think over the years in the western thinking we said oh the gdp tells us if we're doing okay or you know some economic piece but i think what we've learned in the last little bit is the complexity of how much data we have we're almost drowning in it as well as this desire to have it really simplified so it's one of the pieces uh that's always a challenge as i go in and that's actually why i get invited into my client space is to say hey help us sort what we what's most important here. So again, it comes down to a conversation. It's similar to, you know, what do we mean by uh, community prosperity or what are you trying to change? Um, I often approach it kind of from, um, and this is a term I, I can define it if I need to, but a theory of change. What is that change that you are trying to do as an organization and to really articulate it? And what I often find is you have to get into the definitions and narratives that are being held below the surface. And so once you start to understand what that change is, the question is, is how would you know what would be those indicators? And Everybody's kind of got them in their head, but sometimes they don't always say this. So it, it actually, I go in with a lot of conversations and I go to a one size fits one um, approach to it because everybody's doing different work. But I think one of the opportunities with like initiatives like Measure What Matters is to take it up to kind of the systems level and say, how does my data point interact with your data point and what are the interdependencies and connections between that? That's, what's exciting about some of this work. Cause I think we've all been kind of in our silos and in our world working, creating our own data points. And, and so to figure out what that looks like, I think individual organizations still need to figure out how they know if they're making a change and define those, but know that it's not just numbers. It's sometimes stories, it's thematics, it's patterns. It's some of those pieces. Um, Because there is a little bit of a dominance of like, give us the numbers, the percentage, all of that. That's a very Western kind of colonial mindset of success, where I think we need to delve more into the stories and experiences. And that's much harder as an evaluator and as a data collector to demonstrate change over time. The other way to look at it is also, and one of my mentors, Mark Kabaj, told me this. He's like, you ask what? So what's the data that you have right now? You say so what? What does that mean? What's the meaning making? And then you go now what? How do we change how we're doing to ensure that that positive change is happening?
0: I find like it's really interesting to try to connect um, the the story side, like the the subjective measures of well-being and and how someone's feeling now, especially if they've gone through a program or a process with uh, the numbers that are so often associated with, you know, prosperity, especially on like a city scale. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's always kind of uh, correlations that you can find there as well. Can you tell me more about your consulting, I guess? Um, Do you find that there's multiple layers or multiple kind of things that they're looking towards? And if so, um, how is it that people go about weighing that data?
1: Yeah, that's one of the challenges with data collection because ultimately we have so much data, you have to choose, right? And so looking at who chooses which data is most important is really key, um, the key piece of it. There's another piece that you really have to understand the context in which data is being collected or people are, are providing data. Because if you just have numbers on a dashboard with no context of time or uh, place, you can make up your own stories for that, right? And so I think the collective... Um, understanding of what's most important uh, to a community, to a city, is really vital. And, I, you know, it's one of the things I really like about the Measure What Matters approach is bringing in all these folks from different um, sectors, organizations that are passionate about data. I mean, there's thousands, you know this, Marshall, you've been looking at the data. There's so many of them. And to say, okay, which ones maybe have the strongest Um, correlations or connections or interdependencies. What is the change we're really trying to do, you know, clarifying that definition of what is a, a prosperous, Calgary, a prosperous city look like? And which ones uh, do we think we need to put our kind of money on for now? I think one of the dangers in this type of kind of dashboard is the inability to change partway through. And so you kind of like do all this work to create, here's the, you know, 15 indicators we're going to talk about, and I'm just making up numbers. But what happens when you learn information? What's the Adaptability. What happens if you're like, there's a data point out here that's actually connected to some that you find out after the fact? Or, uh, yeah, so I think some of that is or one of the challenges uh, of this is the depth of complexity, but we want to make it
0: simple. Uh, So I was going to ask uh, if there's ever been a light bulb moment, like um, something that kind of just clicks together where you're either dealing with a client or maybe in in personal studies, um, like you're coming out of your uh, program at Mm -hmm. Waterloo when you're uh, studying social innovation there, uh, where everything kind of just made sense. And it's almost like an obvious factor. Like, of course, we should be focusing on this. like.
1: I think the piece is, is that you have to kind of, my realization, my uh aha was, it's sometimes not what you think it is. And so to leave space for what you might learn along the process. And that's really hard, I think, for my clients or for the organizations i worked with, because boards, uh, executives like really hard numbers, like that pretty dashboard. And often what I find is in the dashboards, it doesn't actually tell you the change, doesn't demonstrate always the change that you want to be seen. But what it can do is share demonstrate the opportunities or gaps where initiatives or efforts need to be made. So, you know, I think that
0: that's a really important piece as
1: well as what don't we know. Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Now you talked a little bit about um, like changing indicators and like where, where you could be moving and having an openness for growing Um, with the, uh, the clients that you're working with or in your, in your history, how do you set them up for success later on? Is Do you find that there's often things that they don't know or don't know how to measure yet that they're going to be looking at in the future or something that they can strive to kind of measure to figure out a bit more about their impact?
1: Yeah, I, uh, that is definitely an approach I have. It, and it's changing a mindset, I think, also with my clients. I approach, whether I'm working for an organization or consulting with them, is to build that capacity in data collection and evaluation and they're two separate things measurement and evaluation two very separate pieces um but really to build that capacity but again people just want to know oh what difference does this make but often uh you don't know until you start collecting information and then you that that saying of what, so what, now what, that so what, that context of understanding what that data means in this moment of time is where the, the greatest learning will happen, I think is. And that's really what I try to bring in is go, okay, well, this is great. We've been collecting this same data for five years. Like, so what, what does that mean? Is this the right data? Because if you don't if you're not looking at the right numbers, you're not going to get to the change you want. And so it's really around kind of investigating it's not even about numbers or stories, but our deep narratives that we cherish about whatever the work we're doing, whether it's for a nonprofit or for a funder, you know, kind of those deeply cherished narratives that we don't want to investigate or question about why we think this data point is really important and why not this one. So back to your point about who decides which data is most important. I think that has to be really investigated either within the organization or within the sector or, you know, with what measurement matters. We're investigating that kind of collectively across. City, what data points most matter, and then test those out, and then say, "Wait, this one doesn't really matter. It doesn't get us to so what now? What it let's what else don't we know?" I'm just going to add one other point. Often, when you're working with complexity and system change, when I ask my clients or work in my organization, like, "How will you know if that change happens?" They're often looking for. Um, Things that cannot be easily measured. I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago and they're like, oh, we're going to this ecosystem will really um, work because we're, you know, depends how many interactions people have throughout it within this sector. And I was like, well, how do you know, how are you going to measure the number of interactions? And they're like, we don't know. But our guess is that that's the. That's the magic. And so often I feel like with complexity, we're looking at magical uh, data points that we can't collect easily. So you kind of start with what data do we have that we think might lead us or correlate or um, lead us to maybe a deeper way of collecting that information? Because sometimes it's just very hard to collect the important data. So we collect the easy data, but it doesn't always get us to what we want. So that makes sense.
0: Yeah. yeah. do Do you find that um, you get a lot of pushback when you're trying to change data points, or like when you're trying to change perspective?
1: It, it's. I mean, nobody likes to have their deeply held narratives or the way they've always done it kind of questioned. I don't. I don't like it. I don't know. About you. So I think you have to. You go in with a curiosity and help me understand mindset of why this is important. Um, I think even as a consultant or employee or anybody working in this, there's so much more we don't know than we do. And so to, to go in with that uh, kind of almost like researcher uh, kind of mindset of like questions, tell me more about this. Help me understand what you mean by. And, you know, sometimes people get there on their own. Um I find that the clients I work with, they're already open to it because of my approach, and so they're they're kind of stuck at that crossroads of simplicity and complexity too. And so they're like, "Hey, help us! We can't get past this. We have these data points, but we know that they're probably not right, you know." Um, or they'll come in saying, "We want to increase our impact by ten percent, but they don't don't know what what they have done." One of my least favorite um, phrases in this world is we want to move the needle on xyz and i'm like well where's the needle now and nobody knows so sometimes it's just understanding what why the indicator and what other ones we should be looking at most people are pretty open to it um but it's easy for them to snap back to their old ways of thinking of like just give me a dashboard a percentage input output numbers and so that's probably the hardest piece is is um getting them to think beyond just the simple data numbers that they're looking
0: at. So to extrapolate that into kind of the city perspective, Mm -hmm. especially like for someone that was looking at uh, data points for Calgary, as an example, Mm -hmm. um, that would open them up to a lot of vulnerability then. Right, because like they they would have to constantly be questioning what it is that they're measuring, and do, do you think that that um, kind of would happen or has happened? I know that you you'd worked a little bit with um, Calgary Arts Development there.
1: Yeah, you know, when it comes to citywide uh, initiatives like Measure What Matters, everybody's got their perspective and their um, oh well, we need to have this, and I to my 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 time at Calgary Development, I wanted to see the arts and the dashboard too. And, you know, it was kind of arts and culture was kind of missing. And, um, but so what I did see, and I'm included in this, is kind of like uh, protectionism of our own data or our own perspective, or our own sectors a bit. And I think there needs to be some more work around how does your data or what you're collecting align with others? Where are those opportunities where we could ask similar questions and, and see? And I think the way that's going about it was saying, OK, here's here's the areas where we're, we're going to be focused on. And then it's up to those participating organizations or sector leads to say, OK, how does my sector connect to that? Um, you know, for the arts, one of the hardest pieces is what we do know from narratives is that art creates a sense of belonging in community. When I see my stories, my experiences being shared in song on the stage in a painting, I feel like I can better express myself as a citizen, as a community member, all of that. How do I measure what people's sense of belonging is right now because of that art, when there's so many other indicators too, that create that sense of belonging or, um, community works for them. And I think it comes down to questioning some of the uh, barriers to equity. And so that can be in arts. It can also be in uh, job opportunities. It can be in, you know, environmental um, access to sports. It's all sorts of things. But I think what is that common piece of indicator that we could figure out? And I don't think we're quite there yet. So I think there'll always be that jockeying a bit for data that matters to say when I was at Calgary Arts Development, what data... (laughs) Matters to us and shows how our mandate is being uh, clearly we're doing the right thing for our shareholder the city or, you know, might be really different than what Calgary economic development is there. They have to meet other mandates or, you know, the United Way or, you know, number of the people around the table. So I think sometimes we don't take time to go what matters to each of the players around the table and then figuring out where those common pieces are, too. I don't know I don't think there's one way to do it, but it's people still have to do their data points for their shareholders, their stakeholders and all of that. And look at that wider piece. And I think it's just new now for multiple stakeholders to go, oh, wait, there's this wider piece that we connect to around prosperity, around well-being, around the city we want to create, especially now in Calgary's identity
0: we also like as a city we're we're looking for massive investment Mm-hmm. We're looking for people to come here. We're looking for organizations to come here. Uh, we're looking to foster new ideas right? and to, to grow. Um, and I, I just think that um, it's interesting, I guess, that um, this city had not put more emphasis or that there isn't in general a more emphasis on measuring uh, things like um, the arts and music because we have such uh, a primal connection to it like as human beings. That's our, our earliest indicators of civilization is in art, Mm -hmm. right, in in what was left behind there. Um, So it, it just seems like it's something that really should be kind of a focus, right?
1: Well, and it's not that there's not data. And actually, Calgary Arts Development is one of the only arts municipal funders in North America, there's like maybe three or four others that do does research to the depth that we we did. And there's a great research and policy team there that does incredible data collection. Where the challenge is, is that it is dismissed as a relevant economic driver, or actually the arts and culture. And we've done reports with KPMG, Comfort Sport Canada, actually contributes more to the economic uh, uh, bottom line in Calgary than sports. And, you know, but people think, oh, the Calgary Flames, oh, big money, right? It's just, it's a very different way of doing this. I mean, this was all (laughs) pre-pandemic, the arts and sport, everybody's kind of been affected. But there is this, like, from employing uh, employing people, like, just those pure economic data points, there is some great numbers, right? But then they kind of still get, because of people's deeply cherished narratives, like, that's not important. Arts is a nice to have versus uh, a need to have. But to your point, it's been the essence of human uh, existence, whether it's pottery or dance or song. uh, It's part of us. And, you know, sometimes we're like, well, imagine a city without any art. And like, it's kind of depressing. How would you have a great quality of life or well-being if there wasn't song, dance, film, uh, visual art, graphic design, and you can go into some of the more uh, kind of like for-profit pieces, you know, large concerts and uh, festivals and all of that. So, you know, sometimes you have to go to what would it look like if that did exist to be able to figure out how you know what it looks like too. So I think it, it goes back to your point around who decides which data gets included and what's most important. And, um, you know, again, I think this is a really important conversation to have right now in Calgary, as we have a election coming up, as we have really important pieces of identity to discover as, as this technology and the talent attraction is we're kind of redefining who we are as a city. And I really believe, maybe because it's my time in the arts arts has to be part of our DNA. We have to be, a, we've already been, always been an entrepreneurial city. That's creativity. Like we need the arts and we need to tell a story. So now I'm getting really philosophical. Yeah. So a hard data here. Yeah, that's,
0: that's perfect. Cause that's, that's a, a opinion and feeling. And that's story. That's your personal, mm-hmm. your personal story. Right. And yeah. I, I think part of that connects into the measuring what matters, uh, program like what we're trying to initiate here is to be able to facilitate an area where people can have that connection and try to share that personal experience and that story uh, so that they can be heard so that uh, this city becomes their city the place that they live in reflects who they are
1: Mm -hmm. exactly and if you don't see yourself reflected you you know uh you'll leave, right? Whether you don't see yourself reflected in the arts, politics, in the job opportunities, um, you know, and I think all of those pieces connect uh, to, that's the complexity of it. It's not just one thing, but the interdependence of all of the uh, experience and to be able to see
0: what's possible for you in your life. So really, really tough question here. If you were king for a day, right, if, if you had all the resources available, um, if you could talk to anybody and pull anyone together, um, how would you go about uh, creating or, or trying to support a system of measurement for the city? <laughs>
1: that is a very difficult question. <laughs> I'd need to be queen for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> everybody their birthday off i'll tell you that it's a holiday um i always joke about that um but as for measurement um i think it would start it goes back to kind of the principles in which i do my work is understanding what is important and the motivations for those collecting data and tell me what you mean why you think that's important and it would be those conversations i mean i think sometimes you have better conversations one-on-one with people. And then you can start to, and I often do that in my with my consulting work is I'll talk one-on-one just to eliminate any power dynamics. But that would be the piece is like, tell me what's important to you. Just what you're doing in this podcast. Tell me what this means to you. Tell me what you would do. What don't we know? All of these questions. I think I would start there and then take what is common amongst those and start there as the dashboard. Um, And uh, what are those common indicators of what they say, why they would, you know, if I ask them the question, how will you know if it's becoming a better, you know, social, socially prosperous or community, the community is more prosperous? How would you know? And then look at those common pieces to start there and then have room for
0: what we learn. Yeah. And the openness, right? The openness to change and to to add, right? Yeah.
1: And I'm going to just say a little philosophical piece about this. We have a society that desires perfection and a final product, right? So it's like, hey, our employer says, provide a dashboard, provide this final product. And so we work on this try to be perfect and be like, we thought of everything. But that's nearly impossible when you're working with complexity. Things are constantly changing. And the moment you think you have understood community or the systems or the connections, it changes in a blink of an eye. So the other piece that's a challenge in this is to say, we're not gonna have this perfect. We're gonna have it good enough because we've done some really good thinking and engagement but it could change next year. And for researchers and data collectors, they don't like that because they want to see the longitudinal kind of like, oh, we're following this. And so they're like, well, that affects the study. But I think create the study, create the data collection in a way that allows for new information or else you probably get stuck in a path that doesn't actually answer the question and get to the end that you really, really want. So the most flexible dashboard possible, <laughs> please. <laughs>
0: That's beautiful. Thank you. Um, and that actually leads us to our ending. Um, I want to thank you so much for coming on today uh, and for providing all of your insights. It was and a pleasure I, to be here. <laughs> I want to thank our listeners for uh, for taking the time out of their day to uh, to learn a little bit. Thank you. Yeah.